Hello, hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and listening to the Cinematic Odyssey here on United to the Moose, WWVU FM Morgantown 91.7. You, we are going to be talking about Ran, the masterpiece from the late great Akira Kurosawa, one of the greatest filmmakers that has ever lived, uh, a cinematic legend, giant, and master of the art form he has been heralded like i mentioned as one of the greatest filmmakers that has of all time i have said on this show multiple times that uh he is in my opinion top three greatest uh filmmakers of all time um his greatness cannot be understated um yeah but for those listening on the radio his currently greatness, his greatness may not fit within an hour Correct. So, for those listening on air live right now, this episode will probably get cut off. But, don't worry. The remainder of the episode will be <laughs> on the streaming platform, so go listen to it on there. The last bit that you've missed. So, I just want to throw that disclaimer out there, because we're going to be talking about this for longer than an hour. This is not a multi-level marketing scheme. This no. is just common decency. We didn't die. It's no. just, uh, <laughs> unlike most of the characters in this film, we did not perish we are just out of time <laughs> correct uh and apologies for the parasite episode i should have mentioned that before at the beginning too i forgot to mention that so apologies for those that were like listening on the air or on the radio and they were like what where'd it go at least we preserve the final 20 minutes for you to enjoy yes 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 it's on it's on all available platforms your favorite go watch, uh, listen to it on on there but anyways aside from that ran this is the 1985 film from Akira. It is an adaptation of King Lear, uh, wrote by the late, great William Shakespeare. Uh, his adaptation of the play is slightly different, uh, just slightly. I mean, the, the story pretty much hits the same exact beats. Um, the context in which it occurs is vastly different from the original play, uh, Akira basically does it in 16th century Japan. We have the father, Lord Hiratora Ichimonji, uh, and his three sons, Taro, Jiro, and Saburo. And so uh, Hiratora is very old. He is this... You kind of get the impression, firstly, on screen. Well, his first appearance on the screen, he is shooting a boar with a bow and arrow. And you, it's a, it's a close-up of his face, and he has this very, like, focused and ambitious look on his face. And you can tell that he has built up this kind of empire of some sort, as we later find out that he, he in fact, does. Um, and he is past his prime... Um, and so he decides to basically divide, divide up his uh, authority, his power, between the three of his sons. And it doesn't pan out as he had hoped and planned for. In fact, it goes so horribly wrong. It blows up in his face so horribly bad that he <laughs> loses his mind. <laughs> it's, it, he does not have a good idea. And it is, this is an absolutely beautifully brilliant shot film like from from what i what i've seen is that 
initially he hadn't planned on making it an adaptation of Lear, but he had he had started storyboarding this kind of idea. This idea, and what I think is cool. I mean, I, I found that he paints. Mm-hmm. He painted his um, his visions for how it would yeah. be. He doesn't do like a a rendering. He doesn't didn't use a computer. I mean, it was the eighties, but yeah. he didn't use any programming software or anything. He would paint what he wanted the shots to, to look, look like. like because his or, eyesight his eyesight was deteriorate he was almost blind at this point in yes, his life exactly which is crazy because this film looks incredible it's so in- so beautiful it's so intricately choreographed as well which is i mean props to him because it's not like you know you're just choreographing a bunch of dudes running into a pit oh, yeah. like a world war ii film oh yeah no you're you're doing oh you're chilling with oh, yeah. 1600s japan they're on horses. Mm-hmm. You're dealing with men on horseback riding around these mountain ranges, which is... And inside, like, tight in, quarters, too, sometimes. In, in formation, in uniform. Yep. It's impressive. It is gorgeous. Yeah, on a technical level, this is impeccable on every front. Um, from Yeah, from literally <laughs> everything from the direction to... The performances, like and everything in between, it's just impeccable on every single front. But I want to mention that you know this is his one of six films that he directed and made in color. The bulk of his work is in black and white, and this was, I believe, his fourth film in color um, or fifth. I think it's his fourth. Um, but this was his last, like, epic that he made. Because um, before this was Kagemusha, which came out in 1980, which is another feudal epic, kind of like the same period, but it's not a Shakespeare adaptation. But before this, I mean, let me just list off the films that he's made, that he made before Ran. So he made Seven Samurai, which is considered to be probably one of the most influential films ever made. Uh, basically the invention of the Western genre back in 1954. Uh, that is considered by many to be his ultimate masterpiece, his greatest work, which I disagree with, but it is fantastic, and it is one of the greatest films ever made. He made Rashomon, which uh, came out before that film, which was also groundbreaking in its storytelling um, and the way that it was shot and edited. That, that film came out in 1950. That's also considered a, a masterpiece. He made Ikeru, which came out in 1952, which is not like most of his films, because most of his films are samurai movies. And Ikeru follows a old man who fi- finds out that he has cancer, and he wants to live out the, the last months of his life helping others. Uh, it's a very beautiful, uh, bleak but touching film about humanity, uh, another masterpiece of his. Obviously, Yojimbo, um, which came out in the 61, that I haven't seen yet. Uh, and then High and Low, which came out in 63, that's also arguably considered to be one of his best films, if not the his best film. Uh, kind of, I that one I got to rewatch because it didn't really click with me, but... Um, you know that's that's also considered to be a masterpiece of his. Throne of Blood, as well. Dreams, Sandro, uh, Red Beard, Hidden Fortress, um, Dersu, Utsala, 
Like you, you just you can just name him off. Uh, he, his filmography is impeccable. But anyways, Ran came out in '85. Yeah, one of the very few films of his that he shot in color. Bulk of his work shot in black and white. And so his use of color, and the way that you know the the backgrounds pop with the costumes and and the meshing of the color grading and like the shots and the framing and all this is just beautiful. Um, and man, I gotta say the costumes, like these guys are dripped out. Yes, these guys are dripped out. Uh, I don't know what the garment or garbs that exactly what they're wearing is called i'm not too sure uh these like long robes like japanese like medieval robes or whatever well they're not medieval it's 16th century so like 1700s but you know whatever they're wearing it looks cool they're it's it, cool as... they're in period wear which is yeah. another piece that's just beautiful and i believe i'm not sh- i know they were nominated for an oscar for costume design i believe the costume designer for this piece actually won the Oscar that year for costume design for this film because every piece is so meticulous. You're dressing hundreds and hundreds of people, probably over a thousand people for this performance. Oh yeah. And it's each person is detailed. It's Mm. got that specific period attention and you've got different colors. You've got different colors set for each of the three brothers. Um, Red, like a bluish blue, that was really helpful. Like a Bluish blue, yeah, like a <laughs> and then like a yellow, a, like a cyan blue, something like that. Yeah, that was the word I was looking for. Um, the yellow, yeah. And, and you you do it so well. And then the women, they're all in these. They have the flowery robes. They've got each color. The material I can tell is like it's got to be like silk. Silk. It's gorgeous. Um, oh, and then the father's in white. Yes, the father's in white. And his, I mean, even his his facial hair is white. He gets more and more gaunt as it goes on his eyes get wider and wider but he is i mean i'm gonna gush again about the costumes it's they're spectacular this the spectacle of this film is beautiful it's enormous too in scale like if 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 you're fine watching um japanese film this could be your only exposure to king lear and it could be flawless yeah because i i had never read play you'll be blown away yeah by it i like the only thing that ruined this movie for me is the fact that because i knew it was an adaptation of king lear i knew how it was going to end and therefore Mm. wasn't surprised by what happened like that's that's the only and that's not even kurosawa's fault that's not his fault Mm. it's just because i knew the play i knew how it was going to turn out and I'm admiring this now for spectacle, and I'm like, oh, I can't really critique acting value because, yeah. well, I, no, I can. The the gentleman playing um, Hidatora, who is the the king, yeah, the king Lear. emperor, grand leader, phenomenal. Oh yeah, he is phenomenal. Kills. I, you know, we're keeping with a the theme. I said I couldn't speak Korean in the uh, last episode. I cannot speak Japanese. I couldn't understand a word, but he was <laughs> phenomenal. His delivery, his facial expression, perfect. Mm. Like, I mean, I, I, I've seen a King Lear performed in front of me. I've been in the cast of a King Lear. Mm. Um, it, it, it takes a lot for an actor to, to, to perform that, and he does 
a brilliant, brilliant job. Yeah. And so, okay. So the film opens with a sequence of shots of these wild boars running around in a field, and there's probably a dozen men on horseback hunting these men, uh, hunting these boars down. And uh, it, cl- it it ends with a close up of Hiratora's face, like I mentioned earlier. And then the this the film or the name of the film Ran, which in Japanese means chaos, uh, flashes to the screen. Perfectly fitting. And and then it begins the film, like formally begins, uh, and the story begins. And you don't see you don't see these men eat the boar. Uh, they're just kind of hunting it for sport. They say they can't. It's too old. It's too crusty. It'll be disgusting. It'll. It's unedible, mm. inedible, which is like a perfect segue into him, uh, Hidatora, saying, by the way, I'm like super old. I'm 70. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. It, it's basically kicking him into the plot. Yeah. And so, which... That that opening sequence I think is important. The reason why I noted it, which we'll get into late uh, a little bit l- soon about war, mm-hmm. uh, and how you know war, greed, and Ego. the lust and the lust for power and pride. There it is. These different uh, themes that permeate the story of King Lear and of Ran. Um, but anyways, so um, yeah, and so there's this conversation that that he has kickstarted by a dream that Hidatora has of him being in a field that is empty and uh, he's just kind of wandering and he's crying out for his sons and no one is responding to him and he's obviously shaken up uh, by this he's terrified um, by this loneliness and so in response to this dream he sits down he sits his sons down he sits his uh vassals down um, to have this little conversation about him stepping down from his position of power as the emperor or king of his kingdom. And he proposes the idea of dividing his power between the three sons. His oldest son, Taro, will be granted the castle the highest the biggest castle castle one uh there they had a name the for first it. Ca- it was the first castle. the first castle that uh hidatora conquered uh yeah. in his quest to the reigning or reigning power of the kingdom and he he does bring the lands to peace that's his thing he conquers but he he brings it to peace why because he owns he it. owns everything he owns it all yeah <laughs> Um, which, it's pretty easy. Which, it, yeah. yeah, which he says too. He fought for over fifty-five years to get to where he is now. Yeah, which is important. I think uh, another bit of uh, commentary on the themes here um, about war, and uh, so he mentions that, and then he gives Jiro, his second oldest son, the second castle, and then Saburo, his third or his youngest son, uh, the third castle. And Taro and Jiro accept this offer with open arms, and they are very happy for this. They, they say, this is such a good idea, Dad. This is a brilliant decision. We're so glad that you've decided to do this. This is a really great idea. Yes. And then it goes to Saburo, who is Hidatora's favorite. That is, I believe that's stated. You know, he, he does, I, he love, loves, I love you most. Yeah. Um, and he does, yeah. He says, "This is this is a stupid idea. You're you're dumb. This is this is such a bad idea." 
And so and so he does this exercise of like metaphorical symbolic exercise with these arrows to showcase mm-hmm. that look us you three together united are strong and will not break there were nothing ha- nothing wrong will ever happen when power is divided amongst the three of you i'm sure of it <laughs> i'm positive <laughs> it's not nothing's nothing bad will ever happen and so taro and jiro try to break these three arrows with their hands merely or merely with their hands and they can't saburo on the other hand is like wait let me use my knee real quick and he breaks the arrows <laughs> just showcasing that his dad his dad's foolishness about yeah. this idea because saburo knows this is a bad idea. That this is a bad idea. This is going to go wrong. And he knows that his brothers are going to plot against his father yeah. and against themselves. And it's only going to end in death. Yeah. Oh, dear listener, I don't know if you have siblings, but you see, siblings fight like all the time. And uh, Hidatora is just like, no. But mine won't. Yeah, my sons. Yes, my friends are fine. They'll be cool. They'll peacefully coexist because I've done this whole beautiful metaphor with the arrows. They'll be completely <laughs> fine. And it's he because oh, he's looking. Oh my! He's looking for the validation. He's looking for yeah. the flattery. He's looking yeah. like I believe every in the original play of King Lear, he legitimately asks, "Okay, you know, I've divided it up. Who loves me the most? And you're gonna get." whatever part of the kingdom you want and whoever whoever's answer i like the best is gonna win and of course the daughter in the original king lear the sons are daughters Mm -hmm. uh but cordelia the youngest is like you know i love you you know i care about you i'm not saying anything grand i just think this is kind of a bad idea and he's like you're banished yeah split the kingdom in two between the older two he disowns them yeah well yeah they yeah he disowns he disowns saburo yeah, because Saburo actually cares about his father, unlike his his two brothers who only care about the power, and he tells his dad straight up like, "This is a terrible idea. Like, please listen to me. Yeah. This is not gonna end well." And his dad is like, "I can't believe you're disrespecting me like this. What are you doing? Get out of here. I don't want to ever see you again in my life." And so he's <laughs> like, <laughs> so he banishes his his the youngest son, Saburo. And, um, yeah, and then, and so, yeah, the kingdom is divided up between Taro and Jiro. And so after this, after this little conversation, um, the film, uh, well, the downfall of Lear mentally and physically, well, not really physically, but more mentally than anything. It's he goes uh, to madness. He he dis, it's the descent to madness. So he he his plan is to like travel to the different castles, you know, to check in or whatever with his sons. Yeah. When they when they settle in, and so he goes to the first castle, and this is uh when I was watching um I was watching. Uh, Siskel and Ebert, uh, they're both uh, well-renowned uh, film critics. Uh, they they have both passed away, so they may they rest in peace. But uh, they had a show back in like the eighties and nineties. They, they would like review films. But anyways, uh, Roger uh, Ebert, 
um, he mentioned that uh, there's like a Macbeth kind of aspect to it with the wife, um, Lady Kaeda. Kaiba, I think. Kaeda, 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 or I'm so bad. K a e d e. Yeah. Pronunciation to be determined. Lady K. Lady K. Yeah, as opposed to Lady M. <laughs> yeah, Lady K. And how she kind of, like, is the true controller of... Yeah. She's, like, pulling the strings. Well, yeah. I mean, to to go on, this is Kurosawa's third Shakespeare adaptation. He did do an adaptation of... Macbeth. Macbeth. He also Throne did of Blood. One, he also did one of Hamlet. Yeah. Uh, they will sleep... The bad, the what is it called? Um, hold on, hold on. The bad sleep well. But yeah, Lady K is the film equivalent of the play character Edmund. Edmund is he's a bastard child. Edmund is like I'm. I'm. I need to take power. I'm gonna do whatever it takes. I'm gonna lie and cheat and you know foil my way in there. And he he ends up hanging out with uh, the two older sisters and he weasels his way in there. Of course, he dies at the end. Spoiler mm. alert. Mm. Play's been out for four hundred years. Yeah, and so, um, so yeah, so Lady K, she's married to Taro, it's Taro's wife, and uh, when they, when Hiratora meet, uh, is basically at the first castle to talk with Taro. There is a conversation that they have, and this is interesting. Um, I don't know if this is in the original play, like the way that his pride gets in the way of relinquishing his power and his authority. So, Lady K mentions to Taro about the banner of the family, the Ichimanji um, banner, and she told she tells Taro that you're just a shadow without that banner. Yeah. Um, and so Taro is obviously offended and like taken aback by that comment because he's like, "Well, my dad literally told me that I got power. What are you talking about?" <laughs> and then you see, like a couple minutes later. That, um, uh, that, uh, well, he, he, Hiratora has, has like a, has a group with him of warriors to yeah. like protect them, like bodyguards essentially. Right. Um, who are like probably the best fighters in, in, out of the entire like battalion or whatever, mm-hmm. or army that they have. Um, and so he's kind of holding on to this like, veil of power that he has he he believes oh yeah you've got the castle yeah you've got the i gave you my title and i gave you my power but like i'm your dad you should still respect yeah me. you should still you, respect you me you still owe me that respect mm. where he's basically like um taro is like you've given me your power you're now a subject of mine mm. you have to show me the respect that is owed to me and it does occur in the play but what um course I was done is he's modified it so that it fits the society it fits the values mm, it okay. fits it fits exactly what needs to um make it um periodically accurate and important for any Japanese person who's going to watch this film they can completely understand how this is going to go because they're more familiar with the history uh-huh. okay. and, and and it makes far more sense for them because it's it's just slightly editing it so that it works mm-hmm. for the demographic that it's going to. Okay. It's great. Like like it doesn't make much sense to have, you know, knights in shining armor <laughs> because that's that's such an English Scottish thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah. Here it makes perfect sense for the Japanese to see like, oh, 
I know exactly what that means mm-hmm. with the banner and with the title. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so uh, Hidetora's men have a little bit of a scuffle with Taro's men. Uh, it ends in the death of one of Taro's, yeah, one of his men because he was going to kill the the jester? Or, I mean, it would be the jester, right, in the play? The fool, yeah. Yeah, but it's like she or he... I, the fool is, a, I believe, a male. A male, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, he's kind of in the film. He's like this very, um, he's very connected with humanity. He's one of the very few characters who has his humanity intact um, and who truly cares about uh, Hiratora. Um, and there is a moment later in the film where he has the opportunity to leave him. Yeah. But he decides against it. Um at the lowest points that Hiratora is at. Uh and um so yeah, there's there's that like aspect to it. Cause he's not really he doesn't I mean he cracks jokes, but not yeah. it's not it's not he's not really plays that role. The fool is always important in Shakespeare. The fool is always the voice of reason. Mm. The fool is always the the person who's got their eye on the prize. They have these these grander visions mm. of what life is and what what humanity is and what it what is what it's all like supposed to be. Yeah. The fools are the wisest, mm. which is, you know, yeah. it's it's an oxymoron, but it's what the um the mode of Shakespeare is. Anytime you see what the character of the fool is, that's going to be the character you want to listen to because yeah. they they've got the messages, they've got the themes, they've yeah. got everything. Yeah. That's exactly what it is here. Mm-hmm. The fool uh, um who is uh gosh, I just saw his name. Kiyomi. Kiyomi. Yeah, 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 yeah. He is Kiyomi, he's yeah. he's the Kiyomi. voice of reason. Yeah, yeah. He's making he's doing his job. He's making fun of Taro. It's what he's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. He's he's just meant to poke fun at the leader. Yeah. And he gets nearly killed for it, <laughs> which is and excessive. Then he, and then he's saved. He's saved by Hidatora. Yes. Yeah. Hidatora shoots a bow and arrow at the the guy that was about to kill him. Yeah. And saves his life. Um, and then immediately after that, there's a meeting that he has with his son and his son's wife, Lady K, and Taro. And this is where, um, the clash begins between the father and the sons, mm. and. <laughs> it's this like shocking revelation for Hidatori. He's like, I can't, I can't believe you are <laughs> disrespecting my authority as your father. Yeah, sure, I gave you the title, whatever. That I don't care about that. You should still respect me. I still have. <laughs> he even says, I still have my title. Sure, you're the emperor, but I'm your dad. <laughs> no. And so, yeah, Taro's like, well. Okay, that's all fine and dandy, but you literally told me, yeah, uh, you gave me your authority. And yeah. so he pulls out this paper. He's like, sign this with your own blood. And it's essentially stating, you are my, you are under me. You are my subject. I yeah. rule you. And he's so, he's so, like, taken aback by all this. He just cannot believe it. He's so shocked. He's like, I can't believe my own son is doing this to me. Yeah. I didn't see this coming? No way. Impossible. And he's like, you know what? Oh, I got to go and see Jiro 
he'll treat me better. Yeah. And Kiyomi's like, no, he's not. No. And Hidator's like, no, shut up. You don't know anything. I'm going to go see yeah. Jiro. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, so <laughs> the pledge... Uh, it's pretty funny. I see Tataro Takamura, the domains of Ichimonji. Secondly, I make him sole ruler of the house Ichimonji. <laughs> uh, what else does he say? Thirdly, though I am Taro's father, I shall submit to his authority <laughs> and act accordingly. Um, I swear by all the deities, uh, may they punish me if I disobey. Uh, <laughs> and the really stupid thing that that Hidetora did was that he announced he his plan to do this in front of so many yeah all places. all yeah he announces in front of everybody he can't like walk it back because they um, all heard him basically say you're the king now yeah you're the king they now they all heard him say it yeah so he can't walk it back and he's just like no I didn't mean like I didn't mean that you get all the power I you still have to listen to me yeah no he said you're the king yeah I just get to do what I want yeah you're the king now. How could that possibly backfire? I don't know, and it does. And so, <laughs> yeah. So he has to sign. He's forced to sign it. Um, he signs it. Real well, in spite he doesn't want to do it, but he's very angry. Yeah. So he's like, he leaves, and Lady K and Taro, I believe, have a conversation immediately after this. Yeah, they do. Um, and we learn that Lady K, her family was murdered and destroyed by Hiratora because that castle that they are in used to be ran and owned by her family and so there is that seed of revenge there that sh that she is she has been waiting for this moment to finally act it out there can't possibly be any foreshadowing here i mean it's it, we act oh. like it's obvious but like again this is it's Shakespeare. It's theater. You have to have it. You clearly establish the motive. Mm. It's just a matter of will they succeed. I mean, if you look at Othello um, mm. from Shakespeare, they you it's like instantly established that Iago is. Oh, I just want to depose Othello and rule as king, and it's like clearly established. It's just a matter of will they succeed. Mm. Edmund in the play, who is Lady Kay, Edmund is you know. I've got this window. Let's hope I succeed. Yep. And dude, her character is psychotic. Oh yeah. She is terrifying. It's so clever. Oh my goodness. She is smart. Oh, she I she is. Which is an understatement, I feel like. Uh <laughs> she is a master manipulator. Bingo. And her 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 presence on the screen is so intimidating. And you know, from the surface, she doesn't seem like it. She's just this, like, oh, concubine, wife, whatever. And, you know, she's just kind of a pushover to these men. But in reality, beneath that exterior, she is this cold-blooded killer who wants revenge. She is the threat. Yeah. M more than any of the brothers, she, she is the threat. Yes. And so she sows this idea into Taro that... Uh, um, Jiro uh, is going to try to pl plot against you. Yeah. So you got to take over him first. Yeah. So you gotta, you gotta like. You should just fight him and win, and then you'll have everything, and then you can be 
undisputed king because you're not fighting against your brother. You, you, you she challenges his ego. Mm-hmm. She challenges his pride. She's like, you're, you're, yes, sure, your dad, your father gave you the title of emperor, of ruler, and you have his power, but you're only handling a third mm-hmm. of his kingdom. Well, half of it, technically. Technically half, yeah, but technically a third, it, yeah. in theory. Not all of it. Yeah. And so, why don't you just go and attack your brother? He's surely plotting against you, that little seed of doubt. you got to be prepared for an attack. Mm-hmm. Why don't you just go take it first? And then yep. you can be undisputed ruler over everything. Mm-hmm. And he's like, that's such a good idea. But the problem with Taro is, is that he's very timid, and he doesn't seem to be the kind of guy to take initiative no. um he's kind of pushed off as this like kind of cowardly figure among the three brothers uh despite being the oldest yeah and uh immediately after that scene we have a scene with jiro and his vassals <laughs> where they are talking about plotting against oh. taro oh gee can't believe that was unfounded and um and so Jiro is obviously much more ambitious. He he has his manner, his like mannerisms are definitely more uh, intimidating. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a more intimidating presence than um, Taro does, and so he's talking with his like uh, his vassals or whatever about trying like figuring out a plan on how to do this. And so, you know, they do that, and so Hidetoro comes to Jiro's castle. And basically, same thing happens. Same thing happens. <laughs> what? You're not giving me respect? You're not. Yeah. You're not worshiping me? What? You gave me all your authority. Yeah. And same then conversation. And then Hinatora meets with Jiro's wife Sue, mm-hmm. who Hinatora also killed and destroyed her family as well, who also owned that castle. But Sue is the complete opposite of Lady K. She is not she's not filled with hatred. She is loving, very peaceful, and she copes with with that trauma uh by praying to Buddha. She's a Buddhist. And um when Hidatora confronts her, he begs for her to hate him. He begs for her to hate right. him because she he's like that's a source of his like power over her, is like pride, you know, kinda coming out. I, I would say, I can't be your be powerful over you if you while you tolerate me. Yeah, it's 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 an ego trip for Hidatora. Uh-huh. Yeah, which for Hidatora. Yeah. I I can't it. Me having this this step up over you, it does nothing for me if you don't like it, or if if you're if you're indifferent to it. It's she doesn't care that she's being you know ruled. Which hurts him. Yeah, because I th- I think the thing is is like she she's so yeah she's choosing to ign- like well yeah she forgives I would say Hidatora yeah she forgives him for what he did to her and her family and Hidatora just expects he expects violence he expects that hate and again that that's a theme. Um, about like you know, uh, pride and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. As they meet, she literally walks backwards and kneels down. 
um, and Hita Tora is like, you don't need to do that. Uh, and you're basically, why are you sad? Um, and he's like, yeah, it breaks my heart when I see you. And she's, and he's like, uh, please hate me kind of thing. He stands up brooding over her and I need you to hate me. I want you to hate me kind of thing. Uh, attitude towards her because he he's given away his power he needs to f- still feel as though he is intimidating that he is still causing something to happen mm. he he was emperor days ago yeah not anymore he has lost any and all influence that he had he still needs to feel like he's powerful and she is not giving it to him and it, it just it it kind of that's i feel like that's the incident that sends him off into the uh the wilderness. Mm. Yeah. And so, yeah, he talks to Jiro, basically the same response as from Taro. And he's essentially exiled from his own kingdom that he, he, he had. And he gave it away uh, for nothing in return. And he is distraught, heartbroken, all of the feelings of terribleness <laughs> in his heart. He's just so shocked. And so he leaves and he goes to the third castle um to basically reside over he stays there because not currently occupied well no yeah well when he gets there he sees fukujima uh who's one of his vassals or was one of his vassals that no longer is a part of the kingdom anymore because that because that would have been saburo's castle uh but since he exiled saburo and like banished him there's no one that there's no one lives there so they arrive at the third castle uh and yeah they leave uh fukujima's army leaves um which is symbolic of the king of france as in the play because you know english versus france mm. they always have that little yeah that fun little rivalry yeah yeah that yeah. culminates in like war every other year oh no it wasn't no it wasn't them that just no, no, no! I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Um, Taro's Taro's band shows up and and takes over the castle. Figures. Yeah, not not um not Hidatora. That's my bad. I mis I misremembered that. Yeah, because Hidatora's army or battalion is essentially in like they're just wanderers. Yeah, and they're in- which, which is the whole point of Lear. Now, he's been Lear has been deposed of power. Or well, he gave it away, but he is now without power, so he is stuck wandering like a peasant, mm. and he's he's got no roots. He, I can't go back to my 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 children because they they don't respect me as their father. They see me as another subject, which is an ego hit, and it sends him down the road to madness. Yes, and he. Uh, so Burrow's like one of his right hand man, Tongo, he shows up and he's like, Yo, um come come with me yeah. with to 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 go meet Saburo. And whenever he hears his name, he recoils. He's taken aback, he's disgusted, like he he I think he realizes that he he made a mistake because he yeah, he realized that Saburo was the only son that truly loved him and truly cared about him, and he threw him away. Right. Because in that moment, he was like, why are you disrespecting me? He needed the ego boost. He needed the flattery yeah. way more 
than to know if the kingdom was going to be in safe hands. Mm-hmm. He needed the validation. Yeah. Oh, this is a great idea. He needed that. Yeah. And so the one person who he should have given the kingdom to does not give it to him. Yeah. And Relying s- on a good decision made by Hidatora and it right. backfires. And so Hidatora and his gang, they go to the third castle, who is currently occupied by Taro. And out of nowhere, out of nowhere, this ambush starts to occur. Uh, Jiro's army shows up uh, to fight alongside with Taro's army to kill, I would assume, well, yeah, that was the plan, to kill uh, the father. Yeah. And to destroy to destroy his whole army, essentially. And this is when this is the most this this sequence, the battle sequence that occurs, um, is one of the most uh surreal experiences I've ever had watching a film. Uh kinda akin to come and see. Um it's a very brutal and haunting set of images that you see yeah. uh, very extremely violent um, and unrelenting we're not trying to glorify the, the images of war and bloodshed mm, no. but it is so spectacularly choreographed well wonderfully yeah. shot yeah it is it sucks you in well yeah 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 but but um when when Hinotaur's army begins to like die off when yeah. when all of his men like are basically getting killed and uh, the ambush like is coming to an end. Essentially, you're treated to this probably like five minute long sequence of just shots of dead bodies everywhere, and yeah. the sounds. It, the sound is muted. All you hear is this droning uh, score of like yeah. very haunting strings and whatnot. Right. And you're seeing all these images of of the result of war of death and destruction mm-hmm. and it's hell it's hell it's what it is and i th- it's such a it's such a powerful statement about the uselessness of war and the cost of humanity that comes along with it um you were going to say something yeah the images are enough to convey that image that that point that meaning um that this scene is possibly the first extended moment where a score is played in the film. There is it, which makes Ran feel almost like you're watching a play, because there is no underscoring, there is no no background music, mm. except for when there's you know a slight change of location. They play two or three notes, show the exterior of a building, and we go right into the scene. Yeah, and then it's just flat acting. There right. is no score there's no background music mm-hmm. this is the one point where the score is able to take take over yeah you write haunting strings and it keeps going it doesn't stop it's several minutes yeah. of, of dead pure bodies horror. bloodshed gunshots it's pure horror um and it just yeah it just showcases the the uselessness of war and how destructive it is and how it doesn't accomplish anything Except for, I mean, the only thing that it accomplishes, I guess, is just the lust of power, the lust for greed, and satisfying the men, well, Taro and Jiro, of a- attempting to overthrow his their father, their father. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, they they both want to rule over this same territory. They yeah. both want to rule over this population while simultaneously killing a lot of the population that they're about to rule over. Yeah, uh, it's 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 not a capture and retreat type mission. It's a kill these people mm. mission. It's it's solely about domination and not about care for the people that you're ruling over. Right. And as the sequence is occurring, we are treated to close, well, not really close-ups, like a kind of medium close-up regard. We have a shot of <laughs> Hidatora's face or his body. He's just sitting in his room hearing all these things occur, and he is losing his mind. Yeah. He's losing his mind. He is becoming more and more detached from reality. And as it ends, he f- he gets up and he leaves. He leaves. No one does anything to him. Um, but before before that even happens, uh, Taro is killed uh, by a by a gunshot from I don't know Kuragana, who is Jiro's like advisor. Oh yeah, He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jiro's second in command. He's no. kind of like the mercenary. He's the brute force. Jiro doesn't. Jiro doesn't want to kill his brother. Kill my brother? No, I'm just gonna let let my guy do it. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll yeah. just take care of it. Gets the same message done. That's fine. Which plays into Lady K's hands later. Mm, perfectly. Beautifully. Yeah. And so yeah, he leaves. Hidatora leaves. His mind gone, and he just wanders for basically until the end of the film, when he eventually dies. That's it. Um, but I. I'd say a- after that sequence is when the film really picks up in, in its dramatic effect, for sure, in terms of what's going on and whatnot. And, and also, too, I want to mention, like, I didn't expect this to be this violent. I didn't expect this film to be this violent. It was Same. pretty violent and brutal. I was not, I was not expecting it to be uh, at that level. The death toll is excessive. Yeah. Which... Plays in his hands perfectly. Yeah, and it, yeah, and it, uh, Kurosawa's bleak and truthful reality, uh, uh, vision of, of war and of, of, you know, vying for power and all that, it's, it's told in such a beautifully haunting way, um, in that, that battle sequence. It's just like, it's such a poignant moment. It's such a powerful moment in, in the film. I'd say it's one of the best moments in the film. That is that was a really great great yeah. sequence. Um and so yeah, he's he starts walking off and then he meets back with his uh, fool and then they they meet up with uh Surumasu? Surumaru. Surumaru. Who is blinded. Um <laughs> because he also did, also by Hidatora's forces. Um, well, no, I think he personally gouges his eyes oh, out. Um, well, yeah, and something like that. He is—he's the um, sibling, the brother of Sue. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention, um, Hidatora's like two vassals betrayed him too during that ambush. I forgot to mention that. Go figure. But yeah, he betrayed him. <laughs> it's all about—it's all about the power. Betrayal. Yeah, it's all about the power. Loyalty doesn't matter. You're yeah, gonna go to whoever's gonna give you safety. Yeah, and. Uh, so they have a little conversation, and yeah, Hidator is just continually losing his mind. And then, so Jiro Jiro comes back to the first castle to meet with Lady K, and he tells Lady K 
disgruntledly, not really, doesn't really care that his dad or his brother got killed ultimately by his decision. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that there, yeah, what were you gonna say? Were you about to go into the scene between Jiro and Lady K? Yes, the two of them, them alone. That is such a roller coaster. Of oh a scene. my goodness, she is crazy, furious. She is. She has all of the cards on in her hand, and all she's got to do is play them. And she's like, "Oh, so I I hear you uh, you killed my husband, and you only brought back his hair. You couldn't you couldn't bring his body back." Yeah. You're like, "No, but we 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 buried him. We gave him the proper funeral rites." Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Oh, but but did you kill him? Did you kill your brother?" And he's like, "Oh no, that wasn't me." That was that was my 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 admiral, my first in command, or something. And she she gets him. She's on top of him on the on the bed, which is you know. It could be something else, <laughs> but she's got this. She's got she's this got a knife, massive blade. Yeah, and she onto she, his throat. And she, while coercing him to try and admit, "Gosh, did you kill your brother? Did you kill my husband?" She slightly cuts his neck. Each time, mm-hmm. and he's terrified that he's about to have his head cut off mm-hmm. for something that. But she wasn't going to kill him. She was not. Yeah, she was because gonna... she still got her cards to play. Yeah. She's about to get into bed with him. Literally, she does, mm-hmm. and and uses that to her uh, her advantage to try and okay say okay, I'm here. I'm the figurehead of this army now. The head of that one's gone. Now I can use this army and just take over everything, yep. and I can be the ruler. Yep, which is. Brilliant, mm-hmm. beautiful, beautiful strategy yep. from Lady K. Yep. Maniacal woman, <sighs> absolutely terrifying. But yeah. like her on 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 screen is just captivating. Like you oh, have I know. you have to watch. Her. Oh, I know. Yeah, her. Yeah, I'd say too, her performance. Uh, uh, Mieko Harada. Her performance is incredible, crazy good. And so she, yeah, they have they have sex and. Um, She's like, okay, I want you to kill your your wife now. I want Sue to be dead. I want the head of Sue here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what? Yo, you you just okay? You don't even care that your husband just killed was killed. No, you don't even care about that. You don't care about him. You om- you threaten to kill uh, Jiro. Um, <laughs> now you're like, all right, Jiro, go kill your wife behead her uh, i want her head <laughs> i'm like wow that's crazy to me um jiro uh, orders his second in command to do, to it, do it yeah because again oh i can't i'm not gonna kill my wife so i'm gonna order my guy to do it instead mm-hmm. that'll be totally fine yep and he he doesn't well he go he does it not really in quotes. He no. doesn't really do it. So he shows up to their room with uh like a like a head, presumably. She unwraps the 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 cloth around it and it reveals this fox. It's head, a statue. Like a statue head of a fox, and then like uh he goes on this little tirade or uh, oh, tangent about foxes and how they can shape shift into women. Oh, or... she's basically the same thing. Yeah, she's I, dead. I, Don't I worry. I promise. I promise. Because it's, it's it's interesting. His character, he kind of has like a bit of a moral compass, sort of. He, I think I think it's more he kind of sees what she's doing, 
She wants to consolidate powder. Yeah, power. That's, I think that's what it is. Power, not powder. Power. And he can see through this. Oh, oh Jiro, Jiro can't see that she's just using him to try and get power. Mm-hmm. She just wants anybody who's competition out of the way. Right. He's like, oh, you sure? I'll kill Lady Sue. Yeah. Doesn't actually kill Lady Sue. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then there's another moment, too, where uh, they're, they're, like, kind of posturing, like, saber-rattling to the other army, uh, the Fukushima or whatever. Fujimaki. Fujimaki, Fujimaki. Um, because, again, the film... Okay, the film is basically setting up for the conclusion. Um, so you have... Hiratora, who's still mad, insane, lost his Cra- mind. Crazy, not angry. Yeah, yeah, he's, crazy. He's lost his he's mind. He's lost his mind. He's still wandering. Um, Jiro, well, pretty much Lady K, is manipulating Jiro to uh, attack, I believe, um, the the other army. Yes. Uh, Complete control. Yeah, right. Um, and to kill Saburo, ultimately, and to kill Sue and whatnot. Um, and so, Ten- Tango, who was helping Hiratora out, um, goes back to where Saburo is to tell him, I ha- I know where your father is. Let's go and rescue him. Yeah. And so, Saburo, basically their entire army, goes and crosses the border um and in this like grand gesture of, of like posturing like saber rattling but not i mean they're not they're not there to fight they're there to it's a rescue mission they're essentially there to protect. but uh, it looks like they're they're ready to fight uh, from the eyes of Jiro yeah. uh, from his perspective but in reality they're not they just want to save yeah they just the want they just want to save the father because it's not about power for Saburo. Saburo. it's about Loyalty. It's about family. It's about it's love. About, it's about love. Yeah. Yeah. He he clearly loves his father. He cares about his father. He he wants to do what's right. Tango cares about the uh, about Hidatora. Wants to do what's best for him. The mm-hmm. fool. The fool even mm-hmm. cares about Hidatora. Wants. Yeah. Wants the three peace. The three characters. Yeah. Those three characters are like the very few that truly care about Hidatora. Um and want the best for him, and uh, yeah, and so they're basically waiting for the moment for him to come and save him, and so they show up basically on the border of where the first castle is essentially, and Jiro shows up with his army, and you got two hills on both hills. You got uh each lord or vassal with their respective armies looming over as like reinforcements in case the Jiro's army attacks um Saburo's uh, battalion on the on the ground. Yeah. Um and so Saburo's plan is to wait till nightfall to go rescue his father cuz he at this moment he knows where he is. Uh but the fool comes back with information that he says, he's "Oh, escaped. he I lost him. I don't know where he is. He's in, he's in these like plains. Uh, the Azura plain. Yeah. Which are when you sh- when you see it on screen, a very dark and like like it's dark. A lot of nothingness. Yeah, it's like very barren. It's land. rocky, bleak. Like, 
Yeah. Like Dark Sand. Yeah, I like, would say that. That yeah, works. Like, yeah, Dark Sand. Yeah, very lifeless. It's very lifeless. Go figure. And so Sabrero's like, all right, well, I got to go, I guess. <laughs> and so they go. He goes with 10 other men to go seek out his father. And while that's going on, uh, Jiro is in his castle. And um, he goes and uh, talks to his wife, Lady K, and he is accompanied by his right hand man, who I keep forgetting his name, Kuragana. Kuragana, and oh my goodness, when when I oh man, when I saw that shot. Of We're talking about Lady K's beheading. Beheading that was gruesome. Whoa, wow! I'll be honest with you here, uh, listeners of the Cinematic Odyssey. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'm not a fan of horror. I'm not a fan of gore. <laughs> Holy cow! That yeah. was a lot of yeah, blood. That was that was that crazy. Was, that was too much. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know what? You know what? It works. It works. It works for the film. But it's it's excessive. Yeah, it certainly is. It certainly is very very excessive. Cause she's like she's proclaiming, "I have done what I wanted. I wished. I got my revenge." And she's cold. She's not passionate about it. She's not excited. She's not gleeful. She knows what's about to happen. But she's like, "I need to rub this in your face. I did what I wanted. Even if you kill me, I still win. I still get what I want. I still get this family mm. dead. I still get them out of power." Yeah. Everything is fine. Yeah, because Taro's dead. Jiro's probably going to die. Uh, as far as she knows, Hiratora's dead at this point. Um, yeah, Saburo and Jiro are going to kill each other in battle, is what I guess she assumes. Jiro does die. No, he does die. Yeah. yeah they all, does die. Everyone dies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everyone dies. Everyone dies. That's It's a Shakespearean tragedy, folks. If you're watching a Shakespearean tragedy, everyone's going to die. If you're watching a Shakespearean comedy, someone's going to get married. That's just how it is. Mm-hmm. Unless you're watching a Shakespearean history, which why are you watching a Shakespearean history? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, no, no offense to Shakespearean histories. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and and as this is happening, when we see sequences of Hidetora like wandering still, he's at the ruined castle of Sue, of Sue's family. Yes. And he's like remembering where he is and he's sort of gaining his sanity back. Yeah. Like slowly but surely. And he realizes what he has done. He's finally realizing the the horrible things, the atrocities that he's committed in his life. He knows where he is. He knows what he's done and what he's done to other people. And I th- that's probably why he runs away, because he's 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 trying to run away from his past. He's he's without his power. He's without his figurehead. He's without his force. He just has to answer for his actions, mm-hmm. which and is, he doesn't want to. It's horrifying. And I don't think he wants to. I I feel like why he doesn't. Would, why would he? That, that, I mean, you just said that's why he runs. Yeah, he he, he runs away. He recognizes that he has done horrible things. Yeah. He recognizes that, oh, the people that I've done these horrible things to are right there. They yep. have every reason to hate me. Yep. Lady Sue apparently doesn't. I still, I, I can't deal with this. I have to leave. Mm-hmm. And he goes to this barren, lifeless place. He's like, this is the spot. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's it's such a depressing... So bleak and depressing, but so powerful. 
I don't know. I I have a thing with like war films, anti-war films especially, where they just, yeah, they're very depressing and like there's no hope or whatever. But I I think it's it's so important for humans in general to like know to know in their in their hearts and their minds that these games that we play against each other um you know the leaders of the world um historically and contemporarily um with war playing with lies playing with humanity like this on such a grand scale without the care for any of them only caring about you know themselves it's very selfish ambition for power and for for greed you know for money and wealth whatever it is um this film it showcases that all of that so beautifully i would say and it's not like this is uh they're poking at an an isolated thing this is the entirety or at least a majority of western history in which a lot of territorial gain a lot of pride was staked on empires nation building colonization imperialism yep. wanting more and more and more yep. why did every nation go into africa why did belgium go into south africa and the congo and why did africa get split up by Europe. nation by nation by nation like you look at the borders of africa now versus what like how tribal nations worked mm. back originally yeah. it's completely screwed up because the British, the French, they didn't care. Same it with was, the Middle East, too. We just need to, yeah. Same with the Middle East. We just need our territory. I mean, we can we can talk about what what has happened, what's happened yeah. to natives on, with Trail of Tears and Andrew Jackson and the United States. We, I'm sorry, we want your land. You're just going to have to move and deal with it yeah. politely. Yeah. We have the power. We have all the capabilities of yeah. destroying you. So it's in your best interest to just move along. Yep, and. Uh, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> and also, too, I mean, war, like, the World War One, it's fought, the reason, it's fought between families, royal families, yeah. um, and there's so much unnecessary bloodshed for, like, I honestly forget, because it's been a while since I've read World War One stuff. <laughs> so I'm muddy on like how exactly the politics of it. Yeah. But regardless, I mean, it's still fought. It's not fought by them. It's fought by all these people and all these innocent people just fighting for a cause that ultimately they're not going to benefit from. And this is what, I mean, this is even what spurred it into World War Two. Germany ended up on the losing side of World War One, yeah. and every citizen felt the effects. They were like, "This is awful. Our money is worthless. Our we can't yeah. get bread. We're in horrible poverty." As soon as they're promised by somebody that yeah. it can be fixed, <laughs> yeah, Hitler shows up. They're instantly going to jump on that bandwagon yeah. because everything is terrible. And then, and then this is one of the very few exceptions I would say in 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 history. Uh, where war, I think, is necessary, especially when it comes to Nazis, yeah, like in fascism. Like that's one of the very rare instances where I think it's it's necessary for uh that idea, that hatred, to be snuffed out, um, and to be destroyed. 
um, because obviously we all know the atrocities that Nazis, Nazi Germany did um, when they were in power. And, you know, the ideology, the ideology still lives on, um, while not as prominent. I mean, it's it's gaining prominence, which is terrifying to think about. Um, but, like, you know, World War Two, you had, you had a clear... There was a clear enemy that was obviously in the wrong in every sense of the word, and so that needed to be destroyed. Yeah. And it was. But as opposed to sort just, of. just waging war for more territory, for more ground, that's just excessive violence. Mm, yeah. And I want to go in a little bit more about how the ending differs from the ending of the play. Okay. It it it's it's slight mm-hmm. cuz basically all the same characters die. So basically it is implied in in the play. There are two versions, but it's implied in the play that either the Duke of Albany, who is the husband of the eldest, which in this case in who would Lady K, right? It would actually end up being Lady Sue, uh-huh. more similarly in character, yeah. but basically the spouse that is alive yeah, yeah. at the end is just like, you know, it, it's going to fall to me because I am the uh, oldest currently living spouse of the uh, family. Because mm-hmm. Saburo doesn't marry, Jiro's dead, Taro's dead, Lady K's dead, I'm just the only one that's left. Or it could also be Edgar, who doesn't really have an equivalent in here. Edgar's kind of a beggar guy, but he is the the brother of Edmund, and mm-hmm. he's just kind of put in there. And it's implied that he they there will be another king. There will be mm-hmm. a new ruler. It's not really hinted at in, in Ran. It's not really seen as there's going to be a new ruler. There's going right. to be a new king. It's It ends with Tsurumaru losing that scroll of protection because he's blind. He cannot see. Yep. That is what blind means. <laughs> <laughs> but he loses his, the the scroll that Lady Sue gave him uh-huh. for protection. And it just ends with that shot of utter well, hopelessness. Yeah. He's alone on top of this parapet. He, he's dropped it. He has no way of getting it back because he can't see. Uh, and it just it's it's zooming out in the dark and it's just completely such a heartbreaking shot. It's yeah. so so powerful though. Cuz it's a yeah, it's like a it's just him. It's in shadows too. It's just him with his stick to like guide him. Yeah. Just like right next to a cliff mm-hmm. where he if he falls off he dies. I think he he's one step away from, from falling dying. off this cliff. If he takes one step forward, he's, he's gonna die. Dead. He's falling off, and it's like that's the final shot, and it's such a, it's, it's such a oh my gosh, it's so. Ugh. Which I think Kurosawa was going for because instead of saying oh all this war happened, but there's a ha- there's an ending in which at least somebody reasonable is taking the throne, somebody with a good head on their shoulders, someone mm. who's noble or someone who deserves it, mm. they're they're able to uh, rise into power. He's basically like, Mm-mm. nope. They no. they fought and they fought and they wanted their egos and they wanted um the power yeah. and it just ended up with everybody dying yeah. and this blind guy alone and hopeless. Yeah. And uh you know, um but before that final shot, there's a few moments that I want to mention. Of course. Um 
during the fighting uh, when the battle breaks out. So Jiro basically commands one of his officers to go and hunt down um, Saburo uh, with with a battalion of men. Um, and then he also orders one of his other men to go and hunt down Sue, which was crazy to me because at this point Sue is irrelevant. And Sue's his wife. Yeah, and that too. But um, and so because because Sura, oh my goodness, Su- Suru Maru. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm so bad with names. But you got it right that time. Uh, he he lost his flute, which is like one of the only things that brings him peace and brings him calm. Yep. He he forgets it because uh, Sue, well, the, him and his and his sister are trying to leave and flee um because uh what what's um Jiro's right hand man tells him to flee and yeah. escape Kuragana tells him to flee get yeah. out because otherwise he would have to kill him yeah um so yeah they leave and he forgets his flute and so she goes back to look for it and then um we see this shot uh like probably 15 minutes later where she's laying down dead and I'm like, oh my goodness, man! Wow, I I was just like, dude, this is such a bleak film. It is. It's so so bleak, but it's so it it needs to be. It needs to be bleak. I mean, it has to be, or else it wouldn't it wouldn't hit the same. It wouldn't be a faithful adaptation if it weren't bleak. Right. But also, Kuraga- uh, What am I saying, Kuragawa? Kurosawa gets to say what he needs to say by altering little bits of it and that's what comes from adaptations Mm -hmm. like hamlet is such a dense shakespeare play that if you whatever you decide to remove and cut and trim down like if you were to perform the entirety of hamlet it's like four plus hours well yeah that's what what kenneth Branagh did that's too long of a i actually like that film kenneth Branagh's hamlet i love Mm -hmm. it well yeah but that's pretty good he does the whole thing as it was written but if you want to you can make it whatever you want to make it you can make it a family issue. You can make it political commentary. You can make it an anti-war play. You can make it whatever you want just by removing select scenes. Mm. And that's what Kurosawa does, does with this adaptation. He changes slight details, not nothing major. He doesn't alter the character paths of any major character. He's just sort of altering tiny little details. Like, Tsurumaru in this is blind the entire time. Yep. The character he's based on in Lear, Lord of Gloucester, he is blinded in the middle of the play. Oh, okay. That's not, it's not a major plot point. It's not super integral, but yeah. it, it's just a slight difference. It's, it's his adaptation because it's working towards the message that he wants to bring with this adaptation of the play, which is that this war is fueled by ego, and this ego is toxic, and it just results in the destruction of everything yep. that Hidatora has built yeah. for 55 years. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, Hidatora gets, finally gets rescued by his son, Saburo, and he's, he's trying to, he doesn't remember who he is, but then he eventually does, and he embraces him. Um, well, at first, he's a little scared, because he runs away initially, and then you see later that he embraces him, and he they're on they're on horseback and they're riding on the same horse and they're talking and 
you know, Hidetora tells Saburo, I, I, when we get back, I want to have a conversation with you, father to son. And it's just this very heartwarming and wholesome moment between the two of them. And you, you feel good. You finally, after all this terrible thing, all, the, all these terrible things, you, you, I, I had a moment of like, oh, finally, something good is happening. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Hidetora he, he finally feels remorse. He's like, I'm sorry. I, 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 I messed up. I'm sorry. I should have seen that you loved me. Mm-hmm. I know that you loved me. Yeah. And I, you, you, don't de- you don't deserve to see my face after what I've done to you. Like, yeah, I I am nothing. Yeah, but it doesn't even they don't even get to fully embrace and fully. Uh, right. He doesn't get to have the opportunity to fully f- uh, apologize. Right. And ask for forgiveness and whatnot. And they're on horseback, and Saburo gets killed. He gets shot. He gets shot. He gets shot, and I was just so my mouth was wide open. I was so shocked. I was like, no, but it fits so perfectly into the themes. And then Hidetora is laying on his body and he's just This is probably lost. This is probably better than King Lear with that. Because I think with if you're seeing the production on stage, it's not it does it's not gonna have that shock value, I guess. Mm. You're not gonna have mm-hmm. that. It's you gonna you're gonna have somebody Come up there with a knife and stab him, or you're gonna. It's not gonna be as surprising. It's not gonna be as gut wrenching. Yeah. I mean, it helps that you don't know the source material, so that you don't know that literally everybody is about to die. But <laughs> like, it yeah. still gives you that little bit of hope. You still Kurosawa allows for that l- slight, yeah, reprieve slight glimmer before you just pushes the knife in a little bit deeper. Oh, gosh, it's so heartbreaking. <laughs> and then Hidetora dies from grief, from heartbreak, and then he passes away. And that's just how it is. Yeah, and it's so, oh, my gosh. It's just so gut-wrenching. And then I, w- I want to mention, too, okay, and then the, there's a, there was a review I saw or I read on Letterboxd from Darren Carver-Balsinger, I want to say. I follow him on, on Letterboxd. Mm-hmm. I think it was him or it was somebody else, but it's no, I think it was somebody else that I read. But essentially they were they were talking about um uh like technology and war and you know, yeah. weapon the the guns. They're using guns, yeah. So that surprised me. And well yeah, seventeenth century. Yeah. Or not seventeenth, sixteenth century, so seventeen hundreds. Well seventeenth century, sixteen hundreds. No, no, no. Wait. We're talking about when the film takes place? Oh, 1600s, 17th century. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, well, they had guns. Yeah. They had guns. Okay. Muskets. I I wasn't prepared for that. (laughs) Yeah, they had muskets. Uh, So wouldn't that be 18th century? It doesn't matter. (laughs) Whatever. They they had guns. They had muskets. um, And yeah, the sequence that we're currently watching right now is the, 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 what do you call it? The final battle. Saburo's troops have basically set up to in in a forest. Ambush. In a forest, yeah, they're in a forest. They're hiding in a forest, and Jiro is sending out his men to go attack them. It just they're just getting slaughtered. They're getting yeah, they're getting yeah, they're they're it's, getting it's, slaughtered. It's a clean shot. Um, it's so easy for Saburo's troops. Yeah, they're literally just chilling in the forest, you know, camping and whatnot. 
and they're just shooting their guns and they're they're slaughtering all these men. Yeah. And Jiro keeps sending them back. Sending them back. And it's like nothing is changing. Dude. Like nothing nothing this is this is not working. Clearly, obviously not. Um well, we can't say that Jiro is a brilliant military mind. Yeah, and uh, the review um it mentioned guns because it's like again we as humans, uh, we find the more efficient way to kill, to meet our ends in this greed, this lust for Ooh. power. And I thought that was such a great point. Um, this little, I mean, it's not, it's not like the guns are, you know, this big deal. Uh, I mean, we they kind of are emphasized a little bit. I mean, with this sequence especially, Um you know the continual gunfire that occurs, and it, the muzzle flash too. It's like this very bright red, like yeah. almost like a Star Wars blast, like an E eleven blaster <laughs> uh, from like what stormtroopers use, like this bright red yeah. muzzle flash. And and they they there's no they don't reload or anything. They just continually fire and fire and fire it's just, and there's fire. So, there's so many of them. Yeah, there's always a gunshot being shown. There's always a gunshot being heard, and there's always going out to kill somebody. Because it's just the more want and destruction, the easier it is to kill yep. so many more people. And it dehumanizes the men that they're killing because it's not as personal anymore. You can do it from a distance. Uh, whereas with you know swords and stuff, you gotta be up close and you gotta there's more personal aspect to that. Mm-hmm. Whereas with the gun you don't you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Um so I <sighs> I mean, there's a oh, man that if yeah, <laughs> I'm lost for words. I mean, if I can if I can come in here, like if my experience watching this film was only tainted by the fact that I knew what was about to happen, and it was just a matter of oh, how does Kurosawa shoot this scene? How does Kurosawa adapt this ending? How does Kurosawa transform this character? Like it's basically just a comparison because I, you know what happens if you've seen, if you've seen the play, if you've seen a parody of the play, if you've seen a version of it, you generally know what's going to happen. Um, it's just a matter of how is it going to happen this time, mm. which I think is. It, it obviously was not your experience, Tristan, <laughs> because this is like brand new exposure. But I think yeah. you know this is kind of why. Shout out to my grandmother. Why my grandmother watches the Hallmark movies until <laughs> two in the morning. It's it may be the same movie, but it's always a different, slightly different scenario. How do they get how do they get married this time? Uh. I mean, if you want to look at Shakespeare adaptations that are really good, I I said I was gonna bring it up. I I'm gonna bring it up. The Ten Things I Hate About You, starring from the nineties, yeah. starring Julia Stiles and Heath Ledger. Mm-hmm wonderful, wonderful movie. It's an adaptation of The Taming of the Shrew. Shakespeare comedy. Slightly more fun to watch uh, because, you know, nobody dies. <laughs> yeah, it's not as brutal. It is, it is not as brutal. It's not as bleak. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's again, it's wonderfully adapted yeah. just as Kurosawa's done here. Yeah. It's Taming of the Shrew is set in a private high school area in, you know, California. I think it's San Francisco area. Hmm. You know, it's it's set as, oh, the popular kids, who is it going to date? Who's going to date? As opposed to getting married, it's who are you going to date? 
are you dating for love? Are you dating for status? Mm. What's going on there? Mm. You you've got that wonderful equation because it's 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 been uh, modified for popular modern American society, and it's really good. It's a great way to trick you know your friends into consuming Shakespeare because they would not believe you if they said if you said it was based on a Shakespeare play. Because it's it's like yeah. such a modern rom com kind of feel. Uh-huh. Why would that possibly? How could that possibly be based on Shakespeare? It's ridiculous. And then it's 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 like textbook Taming of the Shrew. This is again, it's very very closely modeled after King Lear. It's an adaptation of King Lear. But Kurosawa's done such a fantastic job of adapting it to the time period, to the culture, to the history of Japan, and making it such like. If 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 you're in Japan and maybe Shakespeare isn't as um, accessible because it was guy dude wrote it in English, if it's not accessible, this is a great exposure to Shakespeare because it's your history, it's your culture, it's the stuff that you're familiar with. is It's images that you know. It's co- it's gar- uh, clothing that you know. It's everything that's familiar to you that that is comfortable with your society or your knowledge of history but it's also this great dramatic work Mm. that's been popularized and redone so many times and it still stays new because it's personal to you and i think that's that's what's so cool about kurosawa's um work here on ran it's 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 a retelling of a story that's existed for probably 350 years by the time he's he's made this film and he still makes it new he still makes it more accessible he still makes it more exciting yeah and that's just a sign of a brilliant filmmaker yep and one of the greatest to ever do it yeah we just saw the sequence or yeah the <laughs> sequence of uh lady k's beheading i flinched so that yeah that happened okay the sequence events uh, we got i got it wrong so well i mentioned it way before the battle <laughs> The battle had already ensued. The main castle was burning. Um, Hidatori already died. Subaru already died. Um, Ka- it's I keep forgetting his name. Kage... Kana... Kanakuna... I don't have it in front of me anymore. <laughs> you know you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, Kuragana. Kuragana. Oh, my goodness. I'm so sorry. Uh, yeah, so he, he... He finds out that... Sue has been beheaded. He's she's been killed. Yeah, and he is enraged. He's enraged, so he goes up to the castle, uh, to like the high room or whatever, with Jiro, and he asks, and he's like, he proclaims, "Do I serve you or Lady K?" And then they, he goes in the room, and he's like, uh, he he says he says something about the vanity of women, which. I don't really get, honestly. Yeah. But um, regardless, he th- the point is is that um, she has been pulling the strings for the all of this to happen. Yeah. She's the source, the catalyst. Well, technically, I mean, Hidatori was a catalyst. I mean, if he didn't do what he did, none <laughs> of this would have happened. But regardless, he he's infuriated, and then he pulls his sword out and just like... Crazy, yeah, and the blood. Oh my goodness, it's insane. I was, it's, <laughs> it's my jaw dropped. Absolutely brutal. My jaw dropped when I saw that. I was like, "What?" Stunned me, and I knew it happens. <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, 
Yeah, crazy shot. Yeah. But it ends basically with with all the leadership figures being killed, the armies are still fighting. They're just doing what they were once told to do mm-hmm. without knowing that the people that ordered them to do such a thing yeah. are dead. So yeah. it's more wanton violence. Yeah. And it just <laughs> for the, no reason. And it's just a funeral procession of Saburo and uh Hidatora. They're coming in um and it's just it's all over. All, and, for, all three brothers yeah. are dead. Yeah. The father's dead. Mm. Um, the whole family's gone. Both wives are dead. Uh, few, a uh, couple thousand mm. uh, troops are dead. So, uh, it's a real feel-good film. And and while that their procession is happening, you see in the background the shot we talked about with Sudamaru. Yeah. Him standing over the cliff, and then it cuts to a, uh, a wide shot because it's like at this point it's like an extreme wide, and then it it cuts up to a wide, and then a close up, and him. Oh, it's such a heartbreaking shot. Oh my he's gosh, forward. we're worried that he's gonna uh, about Fall to walk over. off this cliff. Yeah, and you know, tack on one more horrible death. <laughs> And he's so close. He gets so close, and then he backs up. And he's like, oh, no. He, he's, his stick goes off the edge. Yeah, it goes he off the edge. He catches himself on the edge, but in the process drops his protection scroll given to him by his sister, yeah. Lisu, and it's a in Buddha. lieu of the flute. Yeah. And it falls. And, and it's, a godli- it's a godless place. Yeah. It's a godless place. Hell. It's hell. It's war. Is hell on earth? That that is, I think that perfectly encapsulates what war is. Um, it's the worst things that humanity can do to one another. Um, and this is, yeah, one of the greatest films I've ever seen in my life. I've, I, this is a masterpiece. Um, the best film, I'd, I'd say of of Akira's. Um, I, I just am blown away. I was when I was watching this. Uh, I was yeah when I was watching this last night. I was just so I was speechless by what I had just seen. Um, cause like I I kind of have this problem with with um with great films like high high and low, one of his other highly acclaimed works. I watched it, but I was kind of like not you fully there. You I was sort of tired. Yeah. And, you know, for films like these, you must be attentive. You must be awake and, like, paying attention to have no distractions. And even ready for it. Yeah. You got to mentally prepare yourself. Because this film's long. It's two hours and 40 minutes. It's not short. No. But uh, it kind of went by fast, at least for me. It kind of flew by for me. Um, But, yeah, uh, I was blown away by it. I I'm glad I didn't know the source material. Um, I mean, I only knew it was King Lear by Shakespeare. That's all I knew. I I'm glad you didn't either as well. Um, because yeah, the 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 story beats hit so much harder when you don't know. Yeah. So, oh man, it's such a God. It's such a great film. It's a great work of art. Uh, one of the best. Very very cool. Yeah. I would recommend it again if you're okay with 
if you're okay with period pieces and foreign language films, again, we, we last episode we talked about all the merits of uh, foreign film. You should watch more foreign film. That's just the uh, yeah. thing you should take away yes. from uh, this podcast, if nothing else. But, like, it's a, it's a brilliantly choreographed, wonderfully shot adaptation. Yeah. And it's heartbreaking. Again, it's, it a, tra- it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy. You got, you got to be ready for it's it. It's tragic. You kind of... I mean, I don't know if you're ever in the mood to, like, be super depressed and watch a tragedy, but, like, if you're feeling like, you know what, this is the time, if you've ever felt like, you know what, I gotta watch The Godfather tonight, it's <laughs> it's kind of like that. It's kind of just gonna yeah. keep hitting. Yeah. Because this was a film that I've kind of been wanting to watch. This was the most anticipated film of Kurosawa's that I've been wanting to watch for a while. I don't know why. I guess the poster on it, on Letterboxd, just kind of jumped out to me i was like hmm and also the premise i mean i kind of sort of knew the premise i was like okay you have a father three sons he gives the he gives divides the power amongst them and then all hell breaks loose yeah that's all i pretty much knew Mm -hmm. um and i was like oh that sounds that sounds like a great time and it was a great well i mean it was a great time watching the film it was depressing but it's not a great time for those involved yes um but yeah, I was just man, I was blown away. Um, and that's an understatement. Like it, only a very select few amount of films have have left me with the reaction that I had. I mean, this come and see Laan. Um, what else? Uh, let me see. Let me pull out my my list here. Uh, Yee Yee, Brighter Summer Day. There will be blood, children of men, mm-hmm. um, apocalypse now. Oh yeah. Um, Mahalan Drive. Yes. Hmm. War and Peace. Tolstoy. Yes. Uh, the nineteen sixties Soviet version with four films. It's four films. <laughs> I have. I have it. On on the Blu-ray Criterion, incredible, incredible. Uh, we need to, we're we're gonna review that at some point for sure. Oh, all, all four of those because they the, it's man man oh man those those are crazy. Um, let's see, two thousand one, a space odyssey. Uh, but come and see. Now I've mentioned this before on the podcast for our JoJo Rabbit episode, but I it's worth mentioning again. Um, I'm not saying we're gonna watch it soon because that, that this come and see we've talked about it. Come and see is bleaker than this, um, and that's kind of saying a lot because this film's already bleak. There's no there's no hope. There's no like optimism in this film. No, come and see is even more so that like times a hundred. Um, and like I've mentioned, I think I mentioned it in that episode, but if I didn't, I'm going to mention it here. It is the greatest work of art I've ever seen in my life. Um, and that includes like paintings and stuff and statues. And I've seen the, I've seen the statue of David, um, in, in Florence, Italy. And I think come and see is the greatest work of art I've seen in my life. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I mean, that's just my opinion. That's just my opinion. I'm not like the the greatest authority on art so please don't take that that seriously again that's just my my experience my opinion and i know that's like flattery to the max for for something yeah 
Um, but yeah, come and see is just it it it's hard to describe the power of it. Um, but it's yeah, we're gonna have to watch that at some point for sure. Um, I don't know when, but I I just want I I want to mention it because it's it's sort of similar to this in terms of the themes of uh, war. Yeah, it's it's obviously it's an anti-war film. Ran is as well, um, and it showcases like the brutality of it, the uselessness of it, exactly, and the atrocities that occur during it. It's you know it's bringing hell to earth essentially. Um, but yeah, Ran Ran obviously is more than just about that. This is also other things like we mentioned. But um, yeah, it, it's a masterpiece in my opinion. And I mean, now I can I can officially say this was my first venture into Kurosawa. I can now officially say <sighs> I truthfully understand the reference that the bare naked ladies made in their 1998 smash hit One Week when they say, like Kurosawa, I make mad films. Okay, I don't make films, but if I did, they'd have a samurai. <laughs> I can now I can now say I I, I can understand it. Yeah, I relate. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, so yeah, that's been uh, Cinematic Odyssey. So for next week, we'll figure it out. We'll keep you in suspense. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, I guess so. Because um, you know we've been talking about Tar Triangle of Sadness. Yeah, we are unsure if we are going to be able, be to, able to see, those, see those, those in theaters. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we were getting a little too hyped up for that. We will see them eventually. They will no, be talking about on yeah, this yeah, podcast. Yeah, we will. But we're going to keep you in suspense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Find us on social media, yeah. Instagram, odyssey.of.cinema. That's on Twitter and Instagram. That's the spot. So Check us out on there. Well, and then we're on all streaming platforms as well. Indeed. Yeah. And uh, were you going to say something? I was not. No, I was just going to say, you know, we'll, we might, we'll keep you updated on what the coming episode might be. Yes, that's that for sure we will do. Um, I hope you're having a great Thanksgiving break for all those that have been listening, hanging out with your families and friends and whatnot. I hope that's been going fantastically well. Um, and yeah, have a great weekend uh, for all those listening. Thank you for listening. Appreciate every single listener. Yes, thank you. Uh, for real. Um, this has been a blast. I've been having a great time doing this. This is our seventh episode now. Um. Yeah. Although it doesn't really feel like it because we kind of recorded two at the same time. It does not. No, it's been a fantastic evening. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, we were we recorded this in Parasite, the same city, which this, is this is a whole two weeks ahead of time. Yeah, I can yeah. predict the future right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, thank you for listening. Uh, check us out again um, on our plat on our social media. And, uh, yeah, we're on streaming platforms, all, all of them pretty much. And thank you for listening. This has been the Cinematic Odyssey, ran from the late, great master of cinema, Akira Kurosawa, masterpiece, one of his many, and I personally say his best. Um, and we'll catch you next week. Have a great rest of your weekend. Be safe and uh, have fun. Later. <laughs>